0: Let's do a recap for those uh, that were not with us uh, last Sunday. We were talking about how we are spiritual pilgrims in that we are on this journey. And part of this journey, or the main purpose of this journey, is to discover God, to get to know God, so that as we develop our relationship with God, we can be. Transformed, our character can become more godlike, and we talked about last week about the importance of trusting in God in this spiritual journey. And we read one of, uh, one of the verses from last week that I wanted to repeat here this morning is found in First Peter chapter two and verse eleven. It says, "Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners." to keep away from worldly desires. And I just lost my note. I told him to cut off the fan because it was messing with my pages. Okay, there we are. All right. Wow, I'm on a roll today. I don't know where this message is going. (laughs) Let's. We want. Okay, First Peter chapter two verse eleven. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So the apostle Peter was a warning of the believers, those who are temporary residents. Notice uh, are. Re- Citizenship is not on this earth, it's in heaven. We become citizens of heaven uh, when we embrace Christ as our savior. And so as this journey unfolds, one of the things we need to recognize is that we are engaged in this spiritual warfare where we have an adversary whose goal it is uh, to, to stop our journey, to put a halt to our spiritual progress. And he does this by getting us to settle down. We talked about what settling down meant uh, last week where all of a sudden now our focus, the priority in our life becomes physical enjoyment rather than spiritual growth. Whenever we get focused on this life and enjoying the things that this life has to offer and we put God secondary Developing that relationship with God secondary, then spiritually we begin settling down. And when that happens, our spiritual journey is slowed or even halted. And we start to lose the war for our soul. So it's critical that we recognize we have to trust in God. That means to put all our hope and our confidence in God. We have to understand that in this spiritual journey, there are going to be uh, distractions, if you will. Uh, Physical pleasures. uh, He called it worldly desires, meaning what this world has to offer that will get us to focus our energies and our time and our priority on that and now we're distracted from the main purpose of our journey which is to discover more of God and become more like him in our character so today I thought it would be important for all of us to focus on what the that what the right settling down is there is a right settling down that I want to talk about this morning. And that's found in Psalm 84, verse 4, where we find this verse. Blessed are those who dwell. Everybody say dwell. dwell. Who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Now, the word blessed there means Happy, to be envied. Uh, so in other words, it speaks to the soul's need being truly met. The, the, this happiness is not about the happiness that this world has to offer through pleasures, which is temporary. It's talking about this, uh, this happiness, this incredible need of our soul truly being met. And notice, blessed are those who dwell That word, uh, dwell, in the Hebrew means this. It literally means to settle down in, to remain, and even to marry. So this is more than just a visitation to God's house that the Bible is talking about. So blessed are those who dwell, who settle down in your house, meaning uh, uh, meaning when when the psalm was penned, In God's house meant the temple of God that represented the presence of God. So, putting it together, the Bible says, blessed, happy to be envied are those who dwell, who settle down in, who remain in, who marry your house or your presence. And notice, they are ever praising you meaning there's instantaneous or spontaneous praise that keeps coming from their mouth and their heart. Now, true happiness, in other words, is when our soul's need is met, comes from you and I decide, listen, to settle down in God's house. Now, as I mentioned in the Old Testament, the house of God was an actual physical building. It represented, that's where God dwells. That's where God resides. His presence is there, right? But now we are in the New Testament times, uh, and, or the New Testament dispensation, to use a fancy word. That's my one fancy word for the day. That, that's it. No, there were no more fancy words, I promise you. But it means that in this age that we live in, when Jesus Christ was born and lived his life and died on the cross, we entered into the New Testament. The old covenant is gone under the law. Now we are under a new covenant, which is we're saved by grace. And so under this new covenant, this new age that we're in, God's house is no longer a physical building but it now becomes the human spirit. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples. John chapter 14, verse 16 and 7, for those of you who are keeping notes, it says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him, meaning his followers, his disciples. Why? Because he lives with you now and later will be where? In you. So Jesus said, I'm going to pray, and the Father's going to give you an advocate. The word there means a comforter, an encourager, a counselor. It means all of these things. And he is the Holy Spirit. And notice Jesus said, he will never leave you. Because he will be in you. Later on, the Apostle John wrote this in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives where? In you. And was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. So in, in other words... Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. Right now, he's helping you from without. But there was going to come a time, and it's called, it was called Pentecost. And now when God poured out his spirit, and now those who embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior, those who recognize, man, I have sinned before God, and and, and I don't know how I'm going to do this. How am I going to get free from this sin? How am I going to gain forgiveness? Well, God loved us so much that he uh, made the way for you and I to find forgiveness for our sin and to discover this new life. It comes through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. It does not come to moral perfection. It does not come through religion. It only comes through Jesus Christ. So when we embrace Christ as our Savior, and we ask him to forgive us of our sin, at that moment, the Father gives us the Holy Spirit, who now takes up residence in our spirit. And he will never leave us. He is our counselor. He is our encourager. He is the one that will lead and guide us into all truth, you see. For he lives in us. So, That's why Paul said, you don't belong to yourself anymore. Your life is not your own. Your body doesn't belong to you. Why? Because now your body has become, if I could use the term, the physical temple of God. The house of God is now you, not some building. There is nothing sacred about this building. Some people say, oh, how could you do that in God's house? Well, Listen, if you curse at home, you're still cursing in God's house. Because this is now the house of God. There's nothing sacred about this building. If you curse at home, you might as well curse in here. Oh, some people, how could you say that, Pastor? Because there's nothing holy about this place. It's just four walls, building, brick and mortar, sheetrock, paint. That's all it is. What makes this place special is when the houses of God are gathered where the people of God gather, that's where God gathers, you see when you and I are gone from this place and there's no human being in here God isn't here God resides here, so when you leave, guess what, you take God with you, wherever you go, he's there Why? Because he is in you, and Jesus say he will never leave you. Are you with me so far? Okay. So now, what does it mean for us to dwell in God's presence? In other words, to settle down in, to remain or to marry God's presence, because this is the house of God. How do we do that? What does that mean? Well, listen, let me put it to you simply by this. The the settling down, the right kind of settling down that we're talking about today is understanding that we are learning to live the inward life. Listen to me now. It's important that we get this. The right settling down is when our greatest desire is the pursuit of God's presence rather than than physical pleasure, we talked about that, right? So the psalmist said this in Psalm 73, verse 25: "I desire you more than anything on earth." In the NIV version, it says it this way: "And earth has nothing I desire besides you." No, the psalmist was at a point where he had settled down. He said, "Hey, there is nothing." in this world, more important to me than the presence of God. That's what I desire more above everything else in life, to be in the house of God. Remember, in those days, when the Bible, uh, when this psalmist penned, we're talking about a physical building. The psalmist was talking about, I, I, I want to get into God's house. Now, remember, in the Old Testament, uh, there, there were the, only the high priest could actually enter into behind the curtain, and that only once a year. So there was very limitations to how close you could physically get to the presence of God. But the psalmist loved God so much. He said, there's nothing more important to me than to get there. And for the Christian, there should be nothing more important in this life than having and experiencing God's presence. That's what settling down is all about. But now... Let me break it down even more for us and get very practical about this. Because oftentimes, I think we get confused as to what it means to experience God's presence. Because especially those in in our style, if you will, in our religion, in in the way we focus on uh, and demonstrate and serve God. We're Pentecostal by nature. That means that uh, to some people that we are very excitable. And it's good to be excited about God. However, you see, when you're experiencing God, yeah, it's emotional, but it's not just emotion. There are times when people, oh, oh, wow, I got goosebumps. God is here. I got news for you. God is here whether you got goosebumps or not. Remember, he lives here, and he's always there. But see, sometimes we talk about, oh, I'm experiencing God. Why? Because I'm shaking. Whether you shake or not, God's still here. You don't need to shake to experience God. You don't need goosebumps to experience God's presence, you see. So it, it can get, yes, his presence can cause emotion, but emotion for emotion's sake is not experiencing the presence of God. We don't get cultural. See, we get sometimes cultural on us, and we want to work up emotion because we think if I'm emotional enough, then I'll experience God. I was oh, I was I was good. If you only experienced emotion, then you really didn't experience God, because He's so much more than emotion. Experiencing God's presence oftentimes is. Experiencing a powerful thought or notion that comes into your heart, to your mind. But it's important that we recognize, even though God can impress our mind with, with his presence and his thought, but God is so much more than that. God speaks in a very specific way. When people say, God spoke to me, what are they talking about? Are they talking about hearing an actual audible voice? Well, no. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 12. After the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Everybody say, a gentle whisper. That was the, the prophet who recognized when that gentle whisper came, it was the voice of God. You see, God's voice is an internal gentle whisper that really speaks loudly to us. You know that God doesn't raise his voice to us? But here's what he does. He speaks. And it's very gentle, but very powerful. Because when God speaks... Everybody in this room knows when God's speaking. When God whispers into your heart something to do, something to say, who to call, where to go, you cannot deny that it was God. You may try to change your mind that saying it wasn't God, but instinctively in your spirit you bear witness, God just spoke to me. And so that's what we're talking about, about settling down. It's all about experiencing God. In fact, I would say this, it's God's desire for you and I to experience his presence every single day he gives us breath, you see. In other words, experiencing God isn't just for services in church. When you go home from now, you know you can still experience God this afternoon? Yeah. You can experience God while you are watching television. Oh, yeah. You can experience God while you're washing clothes, while you're doing some chores. You can experience God while you go into the park. There's, there's God is not limit to space and time. I've experienced God speaking to me in the shower. I can tell you this. I hope uh, uh, this, you don't, you're not discouraged by this or dissuaded by But some, some of the sermons I've preached in this church have come while I'm in the shower. It's a, in fact, now what I'm going to tell you. This is a shower sermon so you know what's coming. <laughs> Part of this message that I'm speaking today came right before I had gone to sleep, and I was just about there. I mean, you know when you, you got comfortable in there and you feel, feel so just about going, and all of a sudden God spoke to me, and God began to give me uh, scriptures about today and what else to do. And I learned because again, this is a journey. I've learned if I don't get up right away and make that note when I get up in the morning, it's gone. And so I've learned, okay, God is talking. And I sometimes, again, I, I hope this doesn't discourage you, but I want to show you I'm human just like you. Like I told God, now you want to talk to me? Now I want to sleep. You want me to get up now? I was just about there. God, why couldn't you speak to me in the morning? But I'm in mean, You can't tell God what to do, <laughs> right? So I got up and made my notes. You see, God desires for us to speak to Him, and I want to tell you, God is a romantic at heart. There is no one more romantic than God, and what I mean by that is this: in many, I'm going to in the in, in the feminine tense, God loves when we chase after his presence. You know, ladies, you can understand this. You want your guy to romance you. You may like him, right? You may even love him. But you don't just want to give in that easily, right? So you want to make him work a little bit. And so you want to make him romance you and do the things that he's supposed to do to demonstrate that he loves you. I've been married to this precious woman. Honey, would you please stand, please? (laughs) Come on, somebody. Encourage her. There she comes. She always finds a loophole. She said, you told me to stand. She did stand for about half a second there. September will be 41 years. And she knows that I love her passionately. But like, any wife that needs Jesus, she wants me to work for her. She wants me to, I have to show her constantly. I have to romance her. Only the wives are saying amen. See? Mm-hmm. Do you know that there are times where God hides? In many ways, again, romancing, or in many ways, like a child. One time, my parents, when I used to, uh, was before I, I got married, I was in my late early 20s, uh, lived with my parents. And the one thing that amazed me about my parents, they never stopped loving one another and having fun. One of the things that my father would do, my father would hide in the apartment. Especially if my mom went out on an errand, he she would come back, and she would hide. I'm sorry, he would hide. And so, my my mom was the one. I'm, let me correct it. It was my mom that hid, and my father would open the door and he would call to her, and she wouldn't answer. And so she wouldn't go. He wouldn't go through the threshold. Because he knew, she's looking to scare me. So he would keep calling her, but she wouldn't answer. And then ultimately, he would say something that was funny that would make her laugh. And then he'd there, ah, yeah, I know where you are now. <laughs> and I was witnessed this on occasion, and I thought, God, isn't this incredible how they, they have this way of keeping their marriage fresh, even though they've been married so long? I think God hides on us sometimes. You know why? Because the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What does that mean, Pastor? It means sometimes you're not sensing God's presence so much, and God is pulled away From tickling our emotions or our mind. And now we just feel like, where's God? What happened to God? And God is waiting to see, will you come and find me? How important is my presence to you? And that's what prayer meetings are all about, right? Your prayer time alone is seeking after God. Reading your Bible to seek after God. And notice there's a promise. If you are diligent, if you apply yourself You will get the reward. What's the reward? My presence. That's what settling down is. It has to be a consistent, diligent effort to experience God's presence. When we have church service, why do we start with singing? The goal of Pastor Jason and the worship team is to get you to connect with God. That's what it's all about. That's their job, if I could say that reverently. Their job is to pray about what songs that they're to sing and to sing them in the hopes that as they sing, and as you are responding by singing with you, there's a connection that begins to be made between you and God. And you begin to experience the presence of God yourself. Not so much in the atmosphere, in your own spirit. And notice that those who experience God's presence, who dwell, who settle down That this is the most important thing in my life, they are ever praising you. People who experience God's presence, you never have to encourage them to praise God. Oh, but when there's a void, it's difficult to praise God. That's why many of us make the mistake to think, I, I'm just not there yet, Pastor. I'm just not there yet. I need a few songs to, you know, get into it. I got to get the right song. Pastor Jason, give me the right song. That's the problem. Pastor Jason hasn't gotten me the right song. And when it comes, oh, there it is. We laugh, but that's what we go through, all these gymnastics. Because we think that God's presence is key, connected to our emotions strictly. And yes, we can get engaged in emotion when we're experiencing God's presence, but we don't go... into God's presence through emotions. You understand know what, what I'm saying? We, we have need to open our heart to desire God, and as we seek after God, now when we experience his presence, a byproduct of that is now our emotions are engaged, our minds are engaged, and all of a sudden, instinctively, spontaneously, there is worship and praise that flows from our hearts, you see. And that's what God wants for you and I every single day. You see? People who have made the decision to settle down in the pursuit of God are blessed, the Bible says, truly happy to be envied. Now, having said that, worship team of you would begin coming, please. Listen, I need to talk to, uh, uh, and share a word about settling down in the, the wrong way as we talked last week about uh, pursuing of pleasures and why that's so uh, a trap and, and why it could hinder, hinder us so much. Listen, let's recap and read First Peter again. Chapter 2, verse 11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. See, the wrong settling down wages war against our soul. And here's what it what that means: it robs us of experiencing God's presence. The prophet Isaiah said this: speaking for God or rather God speaking through him in chapter 59, verse 2. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Notice the Bible is saying, why aren't you experiencing God? Because you have been after, you have been settling down in what this world has to offer in the pleasures. And now as a result of that, you you, you begin in this war to, for your soul, you begin to lose it. And the first thing that happens is you lose the awareness, the sense of God's presence. You begin to uh, falter in experiencing God's presence. And so now if you want God, you want to talk to God, but God is Heaven is shut down. I can't hear you because of your sin. Listen to this incredible uh, act that happened into an actual church. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, uh, the Bible says this. Jesus is talking to the church, and, and listen to what he's telling the church. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, Miserable and poor and blind and naked. This was a church that said, We've got everything that we need. Man, things have been good and the bills are paid. We have no mortgage. Boy, everything is going great. We don't need anything. And God is saying, Are you kidding me? You guys don't understand. You don't realize you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. This is Jesus talking to a church. His church. Here's why. In the 20th verse, he said, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Now think about this, what Jesus was saying. This church physically had everything they needed and wanted. And yet, they were spiritually bankrupt. To the measure, they did not realize that God wasn't even among them. Why? Because he was on the outside knocking to try to get in. Think about that for a moment. Think about it if right now you, we heard a knocking on our glass doors and Jesus is saying, can I come in? You got everything you need, Belmont. Oh yeah, you, you, you said this about bills and money's coming and you got all your bills paid and everything is fine and physically the place looks wonderful and you think that everything is going great. But here's the problem, Belmont, I'm not here. I'm not in your midst. So you don't realize that you're blind, you're miserable, you're wretched because the things that this world has to offer will never satisfy your soul. And so the Lord saying, Belmont, would you open up? Would you let me come in? If you come in, I'll have a meal with you as friends. Now, let me break that down to us personally. I wonder... does God have to say, Carlos, you think you've got everything you need, but there's a problem in your life. You don't have my presence. You're not experiencing my presence anymore. You're called Christian, yeah, but Christian means nothing if you don't have my presence. So I'm knocking, I'm inviting, I'm asking, will you let me in? I want you to experience my presence. I'm not coming in to judge. I want to have a meal with you as a friend. Think about the incredible intimacy that Jesus is talking about, where he's on the outside, but he wants to come in. That's his desire. He wants to settle into your life and into my life. Where now we're in constant communication with one another I'm experiencing his presence and he is receiving my heart church listen to me this morning because as I read this that God gave me it really ministered to my heart as a powerful warning because any one of us is capable of doing this. Where we think as Christians, I'm fine, I'm doing everything, you know, everything is cool, you know, we're all healthy, knock on wood, you know, and all that kind of stuff. My bills are paid, you know, and all that. That yeah, we go to church once a week, all of a sudden everything is cool. And Jesus ain't cool. Dude, you got it all wrong. Don't you realize? I didn't die on the cross so everything could be cool in your life. I didn't—I didn't spill my blood for that. I spilled my blood so that I could be with you and you could experience my presence. That's what it's all about. I don't want to be on the outside looking into your life. I want to be your life. you to understand. to our one psalm of the day, the verse. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, who settle down, who remain in your house. They are ever praising you. That's Jason. Hallelujah. That song talks about a decision that's made. I will pursue your presence. It's an act of our will. And this is how i, I just sensing the Lord wants us to close. I'm just going to lift up my voice in a prayer. I'm going to raise my hands and say, God, I want to be those that dwell in your house. I want to s- settle down in your house, meaning here. God, I want pursuing your presence to be the top priority in my life. I want to experience your presence every day all throughout the day if that's your heart's desire this morning and you're gonna make a decision that's what you want you want you don't want to get sidetracked from all the pleasures that this world has to offer but you want to focus on God and his presence I just want you to lift up your right hand as I close in a word of prayer Lord, you see every hand that's raised right now, God. It's our desire. We're making a commitment here this morning as we have heard your word, oh God. We don't want you to be on the outside of our life knocking to get in, oh God. Not, no, not just individually, but even corporately, God. And so we come before you this morning, oh God. We want to be found among those who dwell in your house who have made the decision to settle in your house, to pursue your presence, oh God, to make that our top priority in life, the experience of the presence of the Lord. And I pray for the grace that we all need, oh God, the strength that we need to say no to the things that will uh, derail us and distract us, and the grace that we need to continue to pursue your presence oh god because it's those who dwell in your house that are blessed that are happy that are have a life that's to be envied and that's what we desire above all things we pray and we thank you for that it's possible through our lord and savior jesus christ and all god's people said amen and amen come on put your hands together and bless the lord